welcome to the Red Jumpsuit Show, coming at you from the Brangery Basement, New York apartment. Hey, we're glad to have you here. Hi, Joyce. Hi, Sean. All right, stay tuned for more fun. Uh, welcome to the Red Jumpsuit Podcast. We are really excited to have... Helen McCookery Book, which is one of the most wonderful names I've ever heard. And uh, she is a legend, to me at least. Um, she's been around since the 80s, I want to say. Am I? You can correct me later, Helen, if you want to. Um, but in this awesome band, The Chefs, and Helen and the Horns, and she uh, is doing all this amazing stuff now, and we're really looking forward to hearing about that. So welcome, Helen, to the Red Jumpsuit. Thank you. Thank you very much for inviting me. We're so <laughs> happy to have you on here. So, Helen, um, you do you live in London? I live um, just on the edge of London. So I'm, at, uh, I'm in quite a good place, really, because um, there's a major road that leads north out of London called the um, A1, and I live at the bottom of that. So if I go on tour, I'm just just ready to go kind of thing. But I can get into I can get into town really easily as well. So, and during lockdown, it's been really a great place to live, which I didn't realise because I thought I lived in the most boring place in the world. But actually, um, it's the countryside. So it's been trees and geese and ducks and things that I didn't even really. They weren't really on my radar before the last, you know, before about March or something, and suddenly they're all there, and and it's it's actually a really nice place to live, at least during lockdown, anyway. <laughs> I hear you. I actually, I'm yeah. a very much a city person myself. I grew up in D Washington D.C. and lived in New York and all this stuff, and I'm feeling the same way, like on lockdown, that I'm sort of a little bit outside of it, so you're a little safer <laughs> from the germs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I am so appreciating nature, like too. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's funny. We don't have time to do that anymore, do we, in our modern lives? No. Yeah. I know. Sort of made friends with a family of Egyptian geese up at the pond and, uh, watched them sort of raise their, they started off with 11 and they ended up with, I think it was about seven or something, which is pretty good, really. That's, Especially because a fox up there, you know, and, uh, there's only two left now. All the others have flown away and, uh it's it's really it's really nice to just go and visit them every day oh my god <laughs> I I don't know if you feel like this time um all my creative friends are actually in a way I mean it, we were horrified about the deaths very sad mm -hmm. about the deaths but in our own little bubbles it's like a really nice time to write and create have you found oh, that yeah. for yourself yeah, I, I had to cancel uh, nine gigs. I had a, a, t a small tour at, at the beginning of this year. I had to cancel it, but I've done six online gigs. And so it's like, and also contributed lots of tracks to charity records and things like that. So in a lot of ways, I've been just as busy as I would have been, except I haven't really left the house. <laughs> and the bad thing is that I really love traveling. I, I really, really love traveling around and I've really missed that. But if there's going to be a second best, it's going to be doing online gigs, you know, so um, and it's been good for my confidence, I think, to just sort of sit and play my songs to a screen <laughs> without any audience feedback. And you just think this is going to feel great when there are actually people in the same room as me. You know, <laughs> I know what you mean. Right. It's it's a strange kind of surreal thing 
where you're oh, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you don't get that instant feedback. But at the same time, we were joking because we're all older and we're like carrying all that heavy equipment. I don't miss that. <laughs> Don't well, I don't. I, I've got. Well, aside from carrying my merchandise, I don't actually take. I, I because I'm solo, and I've got great electric guitars with fantastic pickups, and I can plug literally both of them. I, one of them's um, a Gretsch, and one of them's. Um, oh God, <laughs> it's I, just over there. <laughs> I, that Gretsch is gorgeous, by the way. I, yeah, oh. it's, yeah, absolutely beautiful sound. Goes straight, and and I can plug it straight into the PA, and I just know because the, the sound. Back in the day, sound engineers we used to say people with ears of cloth <laughs> didn't matter how good you sounded, they could make you sound really, really awful. But now everyone's been to you know study proper courses and things like that, and they're actually really, really good. So they know their rooms really well. So you can just take a guitar. If you've got good pickups on your guitar, plug it straight into the PA and they'll get you a really, really good sound. And I'm just vocal and guitar. So I trust them to, you know, get it all sounding really good. And uh, so I travel really, really light. That is, that is light. That's nice. You know, it's a lot yeah. of freedom, I imagine. It is, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I've done... So much of the, you know, back in the day, I did so much of the sort of rock and roll thing. I, I was a bass player back then. And so I sort of was carrying a bass cab around and, you know, a bass top and uh, trying to be really macho and <laughs> actually damaging my spine. <laughs> but I just sort of think now I, I, it's just uh, the whole thing's just got to be exactly the way I want it because it's just me and my band you right. know? That's awesome. I, I have to have a good gig every gig you know you're so, not relying on anyone else no, so I, I, I can't let myself down ever oh my god it's also probably a challenge I'm thinking too because when you're playing by yourself like you said it's just you so like every little nuance that you can use with your voice with your guitar you know do you have like some cool things that you you know like effects that you use or anything like that when you're no no effects through. at all and just the tiniest bit of reverb because I just um I feel like I know myself really well and and I I you know I, I've done some electronic music and I'm, I'm planning to do some more I'm planning to do some disco actually <laughs> but I kind of uh I feel like there's something really nice about as being as honest as you can be and um and also stripped down as possible as well. We, you know, I had 25 years of not playing at all, really. And coming back into it, I just thought, I'm going to have, I'm going to do everything my way, the way I want to do it. I'm going to enjoy every second of it. Even, you know, sometimes there's some scary moments, like my car breaks down or like I get stranded. So I got stranded in the middle of Germany once and didn't know where I was. <laughs> A very kind um, Polish builder he gave me instructions on how to get to where I was going at the same time filming me so his wife could see it. <laughs> and it was like, at one minute I was thinking, actually, I don't think there's not a hotel here. There's nothing here. My phone was running out, you know, but it's my adventure. And so, you know, it's kind of, um, I, I'll take the, I'll take the rough bits with the smooth bits. <laughs> yeah, that's so great. All right, Helen, um, Shauna just arrived. So let me just... And I actually wanted to just kind of continue with that, Helen, and just... Yeah. I mean, the thing is that, you know, back in the day, you know, being in, in a punk band, so 
that was really unusual to be playing instruments in bands for women and and the, there was quite a few I was really surprised that nobody really because I wrote a history of, of that the I women. know I do want to talk about that too yeah, yeah. and um but I was really astonished that nobody seemed to be celebrating it or anything and I think Caroline Kuhn wrote a book about it and that was about it and we were we were sort of pioneers now just sort of thinking why should I be bothered about how old I was I've already been a pioneer once I don't you know yeah. why should I be bothered about about doing it again and actually when I started when I started playing again which was like about sort of maybe 12 years ago and it was the first time I'd ever played solo and it was quite nerve-wracking but I found I found the community of of um this, that kind of songwriting open up they were so welcoming nobody battered an eyelid I mean there was at least one other yeah. woman who was the same age as me and uh, to, for me like I, I, I'd been a mum living in the suburbs you know sort of completely the wife and to sit around a table in a pub in Brixton after walking there for two miles with my guitar and sit and talk about guitars with a load of really nerdy people it was <laughs> the best it was just the most fantastic I mean it was better than it was better than being a millionaire, really. It's just like, what a fantastic thing right. to suddenly happen, you know. So, and I just sort of think, well, I can stop. I, I, I'm not in it because I need uh, people looking at me or anything like that. I'm doing it because I keep writing songs and the best person to write my songs is me. And it's, I sing my songs is me. And also because I really like playing guitar and I sort of think about all those old blues yeah. ladies and things, you know, and I just think, if those old blues ladies can still play their guitar when they're really old actually so can I and you know like people like Etta Baker and things like really 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 good guitarists who, who got really old and were still playing and I'm just sort of thinking well I can do that too what's stopping me nothing oh, oh my god I love that Helen you just like I'm yeah. like sitting here cheering I'm just like wow <laughs> yes <laughs> yes it, it is true though isn't it I mean yes the, the only person who's going to stop you is going to be you in your you know by telling yourself things in your head and just don't tell yourself those things <laughs> right right <laughs> I would love to know how you started and what got you interested in playing guitar in the first place or bass I think you said you played bass too right yeah, yeah. Well, I did. Actually, I had a guitar when I was about 14. I asked my mum and dad if I could have either a guitar or a violin. They bought me a, a guitar, a really cheap guitar. And I taught myself from some fingers picking, but I, I kind of didn't really do very much. Um, there was no re... I was living in a tiny village in the northeast of England. The only place to play was uh, school or churches. I mean, doing gigs or anything was not anything that's you did or that I, I ever thought of doing it was when I went down to Brighton Art College and um, I was really shocked because I was a hick from the sticks a bit. <laughs> Every, you know people at Brighton Art College were very lot, lot of very wealthy people I had an accent and you know they treated me as I was stupid because I had a village you know a villagers accent from the north of England I didn't really fit in and so I you know I got through it I just thought well you know I'm gonna I'm here I'm, I, I was quite estranged from my mum and dad I'm here I'm gonna make a go of it when I finished you know life will carry on but right you know halfway through that um, was when punk started and I remember reading about it and thinking what's this you know I don't I don't understand <laughs> and then I was living in a huge squat on the seafront in Brighton and there, and there must have been about 15 16 17 18 people it was really really big and um, in the basement, a band started rehearsing and they were a punk band. Um, 
and they rehearsed every single night with electronic instruments really really loud and um they drove us mad and we got we, we got we got we got them a gig to get them out of the house um that's great and um they they were too frightened to play it so me and the guy I was going out with at the time and a friend a fr so it's two two people playing guitar one person um wanted to be the singer and I was the only girl there, I was the only female, and they just said, oh, you can play the bass, because they didn't know that was a proper instrument. <laughs> we borrowed a, a drummer from a group called Poison Girls, oh. um, who are very well known, you know, but they, they, were, they were just beginning then as well. And um, yeah, so we played their gig, we wrote, um, we wrote, we bought a load of tabloid newspapers, wrote songs from their stories, and we played their gig for them. Um, and we got offered another gig straight away so that's what punk was like so I, I was in a, I was a bass player in a punk band called Joby and the Hooligans for quite a long time and then we gradually got into this thing of writing proper songs rather than these kind of shouty droney things and actually started um, and it kind of morphed into a really big band called the Smarties at around about 90 beginning of 1979 or something and then um, that because we there were lots of personal relationships and we split up you know and then the guy from the one of the guitarists from the Smarties came around to my house and said, oh, um, will you be in a band with me? And I'd never really thought of myself as being a proper bass player at all. And I was really shocked because I just thought I played some notes underneath what everybody else did. <laughs> and, um, I'd, uh, and I said, oh, oh, yeah, all right, then. And then uh, he'd written some uh, he'd written some music for a song that I'd done in one of my drawings at work and it was it was called food and it was a dancing chef in a kitchen and he said oh, I've written some I've written some uh, music for the song that you that for the poem that you wrote um and I said all oh, right play it play it then and he played it and I thought, oh, that sounds that sounds all right and <laughs> and I said what should we call our band and he said oh the chefs because it was his story yeah. <laughs> And literally, there was a drummer who lived two doors down from my house, and we asked him if he. And so we started off. We had three songs, three people, and we played for three minutes because all of our songs were a minute long. That's brilliant. <laughs> well, I have a question um, about your name. I don't know if you. I don't know if you talked about this already. Not, does not, you, not yet. Does, does a McCurkey book come yeah. from that? Yeah, the sort chefs. of, because um, I had I had a sketchbook on my, uh, I, I lived in this flat and I had a sketchbook and I kept it on the shelf with these cookery books in the kitchen. And um, I was just messing around one day and I thought, oh, I'll call this Matt Cookery Book because my real name's McCallum. And I put it up on the shelf. And um, when the band was going, uh, a, a local journalist interviews all the bands in Brighton. There were about 56 bands that rehearsed in this same um, crypt in the resource centre in Brighton, all punk, all kinds of things. And he said, oh, you know, he phoned me. I was working in a shop by then. And he phoned me up and he said, oh, what's your name? And I said, oh, Helen McCallum. He says, that's not good enough. You know, <laughs> I've, got, I've, got, I've got Tim Vicious, I've got Dick Damage. And I thought about this book that on my shelf and I go, oh, Helen McCookery book. Said, oh, yeah, that'll do. So when the newspaper came out, there's like 56 bands. He went upstairs in this shop to take a photograph of us all standing in a street outside the record store in, in Brighton. Loads and loads of us. I mean, I think in the photograph, there must be about 35 people. And the headline was Helen McCookery book is the one in the back of the hat. <laughs> I'm really small in the background, you know, the very, very back of the photograph. I thought, okay, I'm going to keep that. 
<laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. We've been like saying your name just it's like musical. We're like Helen McCookery book. McCookery book. Yeah. Anyways, Helen. Um, so tell us about the chefs. I want to hear well, we about were, yeah. Yeah. We were really, really into writing songs right from the start. And, you know, really we were, it was 1979, so there were still a lot of very punky bands around, but we just really, really wanted to write good songs. And um, we didn't really know how to do it at first, <laughs> but um, we spent a long time rehearsing and um, it was quite a volatile band. I mean, the, the guitarist, Carl, was, um, could be quite volatile. And uh, so I developed a way of playing bass that was very busy because uh, on one occasion he walked off stage and left me just with the drummer and I thought, okay, <laughs> Well, I, you know, I don't know how to find anybody else to play with me in this band. So if that's going to happen, I need to be able to do the gig still just with a drummer. Wow. <laughs> so, um, yeah. And actually, it, yep. he, he did walk off stage once at one of the venues in in uh, Brighton and um, the uh, Captain Sensible was there. And I met him. Yeah, I met him years later. Ah. He said it was the funniest thing he'd ever seen because he just said me and Rod, the drummer, just carried on to the end <laughs> of the set. You know? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, we sort of, we did quite well in a funny, in a funny sort of way. After that, I got my brother to join the band. So we ended up with two guitarists and we kind of work where we would, we would pull big crowds in Brighton, but we were quite, um, I wouldn't say ambitious. It's just that we wanted to get away from the Brighton scene a bit. And so all of us moved up to London and uh, we signed to a label called Graduates who were UB40's label. Oh, um, very cool. And they bought up one of our records, uh, which had been released on a local label in Brighton, Atrix Records, and they bought that up and they um, they sort of started plugging it properly and things like that. So that was a song called 24 Hours, um, which has recently appeared in in um, the New York Times. Oh, my think, God. It? Yeah, it's really funny. Somebody said, somebody um, said, me, you didn't have a look on the New York Times. It's it's. It's in a list of records that people, obscure records. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Yes, yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, Street cred. Street cred. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, we got we got to a point, we did, did quite a few Peel, John Peel sessions and things. Um, but we got to a point where I, I, I think you could sort of say musical differences because um I was never really, I've never really been interested in fashion in music. And there was this kind of move towards sounding really tribal and stuff like that. And the drummer and the guitarist wanted to go in that direction. And I just really wanted to carry on. I felt like we'd found a really strong style and I thought we ought to kind of stick with it really. But um, so- uh, When do yeah. you say, when do you say fashion, do you mean the trend, the trend of- yeah, musical fashion because musical Britain, trend, okay. at that time it was it constantly rolling new, you know, new ideas in yeah. music and things like that. You know, chew it up, spit it out, chew it up, spit it out. And, okay. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, and I kind of had a bit of a breakdown at that point because I'd been living the band sort of 24 hours a day. Yeah. Basically, wake up, band, go to a rehearsal, band. And, um, yeah, became quite ill. And did you? And, oh, uh, you, did you guys all live together too at that point? Uh, they or they no? all lived in a house. They all lived in a house, uh, probably about ten minutes walk from me. 
when we used to rehearse in the basement of that house and when it rained the basement used to fill up with water and I, I used to I, I, well in the night I was tuned if I heard thunder or rain get on the phone it's raining it's raining get all the equipment out you know? oh my and they'd God. have to go down and take the drums and <laughs> everything had to come upstairs you know in case it got drowned in water you know so it was a very um strange strange existence I mean when you Right. I, I, I think probably people in bands still have this really odd existence where you have this normality that's nothing to do with anybody else's life, you know, the way anybody else leads their life. And people would think you were completely mad if you took right. to you. Yeah. It's normal, you know. Yes. <laughs> and the other thing is that you spend these really formative years with groups of people who, you know, you. You might not even like them, but you go through <laughs> these really intense things with them and yes. then they're gone and, and that whole part yeah. of your past has gone. And it's almost yeah. like it didn't exist, you know. And I, I, I've been quite glad that, social, you know, for, for social media, because some of the people that I used to be in bands with, I, I have been back in touch with. And when there's yeah. water under the bridge, you're, you're not sort of a, a hot-headed, you know, you know in your your 20s like yeah yeah everything's so intense when you're young isn't it you know it is it is I I, it's funny I I just experienced something like that this morning Uh, so I know exactly what you're talking about yeah Yeah. someone who had passed away and I was like you know it just all it all came flooding back and it was like I'm sorry we were all we were all in it together you know yeah but it's such I think it's such a fantastic um life to have had that that intensity because you don't get yeah. that working in a bank do you no you know like yeah. my, my my lead singer from the punk band Joby and the Hooligans I mean he passed away two years oh. ago and he was in some ways he was awful lots of people didn't like him because he was very uh you know he he used to love winding people up he used to love annoying people um <laughs> and he wasn't he was never very nice to his partners or anything like that. but to me he was great he wow. absolutely loved having a female in the band he encouraged me to write songs yeah you know it was like he he decided that he out of all the women in his life that he wasn't very he was going to be nice to me and and we stayed friends right up you know oh. if, if somebody upset me he would be really upset what's going on what's going on you know oh. and, uh, kind of like yeah, a, he, almost like a brother or something yeah yeah, yeah like a big brother yeah yeah, yeah. But- that's really cool too. Back then, I feel like even more so, because we were doing stuff in the '90s. But I feel like in the '70s, like it. How did it feel for you as far as being a musician? I mean, did, it sounds like you just kind of approached it like, "This is just me," you know, doing this, and it's not a big deal. But did you have any like moments where, like, you know, people where it was like, I don't know that that it was tough because you were a girl. Yeah, um, a, a lot. Um, but the thing was, my band had my back. And actually, a lot of the other band, a lot of the other punks did too. I mean, I, I was working in a, a in a printer's for a while, printing tablet envelopes for vets. And the guy that I was working for was very, um, was a, he was um, National Front, which is like a kind of fascist, British fascist organisation. Yeah. Wow. And the punks were really not like that. And I had a, a boyfriend who was um, black and Jewish, and my best friend was from Persia. Wow! And so to have to be working for somebody like this, and um, he started being creepy. 
and I remember going to the pubs and talking about him to the punks and they weren't angels the punks by any means but they, right we're gonna go and kill him uh, <laughs> no, right you're like no, 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 no it's all right <laughs> it's all right you don't have to you don't you don't have to do that you know and I ended up leaving uh, you know leaving the job but um yeah I mean they did there were some horrible people I had some horrible experiences there was a girl in Brighton who was very aggressive towards me hmm. um but I kind of sorted that out myself I I think she thought I was weak hmm. um, because I've got this nice yeah I know persona. you're so cute <laughs> but you know she she decided she was going to kill me and she sort of spray painted it on these hoardings and everything and she sent her friend round all the shops where my friends worked say you know i'm going to kill helen and then she came up to me at this gig and i was wearing i'd made this um costume it was like fur fur knickers with plastic dinosaurs sewn on and i sewed oh the plastic <laughs> and she started she came up behind me and started pulling them and am i allowed to swear on your podcast oh yes yes yeah okay <laughs> she started and i was talking to somebody and for some reason i just started boiling with rage and i i really i just turned around and said why don't you fuck off and leave me alone and she was so shocked and i mean she was at least, you know she's really tall and very big and she just went off and never bothered me again. And I think maybe it's when a, somebody you think you can bully just suddenly turns around and sticks right. up themselves or something. But yeah, um, yep. you know, I, I did work out a way. And then they go guys. away. Yeah. Then they go away. Yeah, yep. that's right. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I think it, it, punk was very good training for um, for surviving, actually. I bet you, you saw know? some good shows. <laughs> and yes. I bet you played some amazing shows. Was yeah. there like a highlight during that time of a show that you played? Um, do you know I was usually I was so drunk I can't remember. My brother oh. has to tell me. <laughs> <laughs> no, we did. Um, oh, we. I, I don't know. It, there were a lot. They they were all really. You know, I was quite lucky because in Brighton the audiences didn't spit at you, so ah. that was really that was really lucky I used to come I used to end up absolutely drenched in beer because people used to throw beer at you you know um, yeah. I remember I don't know if you say it's a good show but it's just one of the ones that I really remember and this is right back in 1978 we we because you could take your well <clears throat> you thought you could take your guitars up to anyone's gig and ask to support them and we all really liked yeah. Johnny Thunders and the Heartbreakers and um so we went up there with our guitars and everything and we begged their manager <laughs> please please let us support you please you know please and he said no so we decided to get drunk and ah. uh, <laughs> he changed his mind so <laughs> by that time wow. we were all absolutely so we all climbed up on stage and I'm not kidding I, I couldn't even tell where my fingers were on the fretboard of my guitar <laughs> The guitarist, I couldn't, I couldn't even <laughs> see him properly, and I all I knew was that Joby was singing in a completely different key to what we were playing, and, you know, it was like, and we were going, Ugh! and in the end, they pulled the plugs on us, and it's like, <laughs> oh no, <laughs> you know, the thing That's that we most wanted to do in our whole um, lives, supporting Johnny Thunders and the Heartbreakers, and oh my God. we messed it up. Oh know? my God, that's so yeah, that's pretty yeah. punk rock, though. Right. I think it is, isn't it? <laughs> that's, that's but at the time, it's just like, what? Did, how could we have done that? You know, because, and it yeah, probably think, felt like end of the world, too. Like, oh. We so wanted to impress them, you know. Oh. And, uh, <laughs> oh, my God. That's really cool. I'm like, wow. Johnny Thunders. <laughs> wow. Wow. 
I wanted to ask about John Peel, actually, because um, it sounds to me, and I could be like interpreting this wrong, (laughs) but it sounds to me like he was really like um, a big supporter of you personally as a musician. Did you feel that way? Um, Yeah. Well, when I was, I I mentioned before that I used to work in a shop and um, it was so boring. It was like cards and and posters and things like that. It's one of those shops that nobody ever goes in. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, so I used to sit there by the the cash register, the cash teller, and I used to write letters to John Peel because I used to listen to the show and I used to just write about what was happening because there was regulars used to come in, you know, and strange people used to come in and I used to write and tell them. And in the the end, I just thought, well, I bet he doesn't read these anyway, so I'm going to stop writing to him. And I was listening to the show about a week and a half later, and he said, oh, someone called Helen the Cookery Book used to write me letters, but she stopped. I wonder if I've done something to offend her. So I started writing again, and then we recorded, the chef recorded a cassette, and he said, uh, he wrote back, he wrote to me. And he said, we can't play cassettes, but why don't you make a record? And I just thought, well, that's never going to happen. But then the um, local label asked us to do some recording. So, um, yeah, he played that. And then we were, one day we were, um, by that time we were living in London and we were around the corner from the BBC and uh, we'd met this guy uh, in the pub who wanted to be, he wanted to be um, a rock photographer, but he was a food photographer. And he said, I'm allowed to use yeah. a studio in the evenings after I've photographed the foods. And we thought it's really funny because we were called ah, the chef. Your big so, book. Yeah. We, yeah, we all went yeah. round there and he took, he took photos. Well, first of all, we ate the food that had been, they'd been <laughs> photographing that day. It was like lukewarm curry. We ate that. That's awesome. And then we had our photos taken. And then me and our manager, Jonathan, said, because by that time, the, the single 24 hours of that, I was shall we go around to the BBC and see if we can meet John Peel, you know, going mm-hmm. in? And everyone else said, oh, no, don't know, we're going home. And me and Jonathan said, oh, we might as well. So we went round to the BBC building, which was probably about 10 or 15 mil, uh, minutes walk. And um, there were these sort of guys on the door, you know, and they said, oh, you know, what can we help? You know, and, yeah, we're, we're waiting to see John Peel. So, All right, sit there. <laughs> And uh, so me and Jonathan sat down and in walked John Peel at about quarter to ten at night and um, the guy, oh, there's someone here to see you. And uh, and I got up and I said, oh, oh I'm Helen McCookery. But, oh, he said, come up, come up, come up to the studio. So me and Jonathan went up to the studio <laughs> and we sat down and I said, I brought you, you know, I brought you our new record. And he said, oh, he said, I'll put it on. I said, no, no, don't do that because you might not like it. <laughs> No, no. And he put it on and I, I was talking. I, go, blah, 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 I, I was so frightened in case he didn't like it. And he goes, no, no, this is good. This is oh, good. And so God. he plays, he played the record and he, he played it absolutely loads. And I suppose it must have just been because you had that connection. Yeah. And I could, for a funny, in a funny sort of way, I mean, I was completely fearless. I think I'd be, be the thing with punk where, yeah. mm. you know, I'd be, I was living, I'd been living this terrible squat, didn't, but really difficult to get a job. When I did, it was a really, really awful things. And, you know, um, I'd been, you know, all kinds of stuff. Everything had gone wrong in life apart from being in the band. And so actually I didn't have anything to lose. 
Yes. And when you when you haven't got anything to lose, you just think, well, I'm exactly. not scared. Of, I'm not scared of anything actually. Yeah. Um, nobody's <laughs> nobody intimidates me. I don't care about famousness because everybody eats and has a shit. So you know, just so happens that some people are famous, and so I just thought, yeah, yeah it was never um, not afraid to do anything really. So yeah, that's. <laughs> Awesome. And I I know what you're I know what you mean, because I feel like I've had moments like that as well. And I did get to play on John Peel's show. um, And it was fabulous. He's amazing. I did, too. You did, too. Yeah, we we didn't get to meet him. So it was unfortunate. But yeah, so professional, too. Like and the the BBC building is amazing. So yeah. amazing. I'm like wandering around. I'm like, oh my God, it's like this underground city. Yeah, it's moved from there now, actually, which oh, is a real it? shame. But oh. um, no, it was, a, it was a fantastic place, a really fantastic place. I mean, he, he did so much for um, so many a lot bands. of musicians. Yeah. yeah. And he, 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 he plowed his own furrow. I mean, he didn't like things that you ought to like. He liked things yes. that he liked you know, which uh, is a, was a really good um, thing for somebody. And the, the weirdest thing was him liking Helen and the Horns as well, because after the chef split up, I was really, I, like I said, I was very ill. I got a Judean ulcer. I, I got, I was oh, just I'm lying so, in bed for oh. ages. And yeah, um, I didn't mean to skip over that, Helen. I apologize. Well, no, did you, right. did no. you want to mention a little, talk about that a little or, or no? Because well, I find I that that's, you know, it, I like, I think we need to get past that stigma of not discussing things that are tough, you know? Yeah, well, it was it was a very strange... I mean, um, then again, I was supported by really people that you... I don't know if you've heard of a band called King Kurt. Yeah. They were like a... So, yeah, their lead singer, he, he cooked for me because he felt sorry for me because I was so ill. <laughs> and he's so, he's so tough, rough. Anyway, uh, yeah... Uh, and uh, so, yeah, John John Walters phoned up and said, oh, I hear the chefs have split up. That's John Peel's producer. Oh. And um, he said, Have you, are you doing any music? And I said, no, can you phone back in six months? And he said, you're all right. And I told a few people and they said, oh, you're mad. You should have just done anything. I said, I can't, I'm too ill. But literally six months to the day, I had Helen and the Horns. John Walters phoned up, have you wow. got a band? Oh, yeah, I've got a band. And um, I, I, I didn't really think that John Peel would like us, you know, because it's so different to the chef's music. But um, yeah, so he, he offered us a session without even hearing us. Wow. And um, when jo- I remember listening to it on the Peel show and jo- John Peel was almost speechless. He was, it's, wow, it's, 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 that's almost like Doris Day or something like that, you know, and he's like really... <laughs> And uh, so it, that was really funny because some of the promoters who put on the chefs are being really funny about putting Helen and the Horns on. And one of them phoned me up and said, not only do I not like your band, I actually hate them and there's no way I'd ever put them on. And as soon as we did a peel session, he's on the phone to our manager. Yes, I really want to. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. So and we played his venue. It was so packed. Like we had no drummer and it was, that venue was so packed. We were standing squashed against the back <laughs> wall because there were so many people there. So, it wow. just, I mean, it just, yeah, very strange. So was that a, was that kind of like a, did that, I mean, that must've felt amazing after going through that sickness and coming back on the other side of it, you know, to then start something oh. new again. I don't know. It was, and it was like, 
I couldn't believe that I, I, I had a second. I didn't know I had it in me because I had got very, very low and yeah. really very not, not very well at all. And um, are you well now? I mean, everything yeah. that, for that as yeah. far as that good. Yeah. I'm glad. I'm glad yeah. to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. I mean, you know, you, I think what, one of the things that you learn is that you, you you don't go through life without getting sick at some point. And, uh, you know, um, but I, that actually taught me that you can recover from things, not just sort of physically, but mentally. And um, yes. I suppose that in some ways I've got quite a it made me quite um, empathetic with people who have yeah get you know get into that really difficult yeah kind of situation yeah. and there's no point in anybody saying to you, oh you'll be all right you'll I was all right you just have to sort of think well so you think those things yourself actually you might be okay and one day you might look back on this and think that was really mm-hmm. awful and I'm glad it <laughs> I'm glad it's over you know mm-hmm. um, but uh, I think it's one of the things that happens in people's lives, mm-hmm. you know, coming up against physical and mental illness, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good for, I mean, kudos to you. I, I actually just went through breast cancer not too long ago. So oh, I know, shit, yeah. I know that same feeling. It's like, you know, yeah. of, you know, like you said, I feel like that's, that's one of the gifts of being a little older is you start seeing, oh, well, we go up and down and, you know, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, Shana, did you yeah, have to be 40 without anything, without any shit happening? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's really good. Really, really. Now you live the rest of your life like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Makes you appreciate no, a, Yeah, I, I do feel, you know, a, a, a really a huge amount of uh, appreciation for life, you know, every single day. And, um, yeah. you know, still that, you know, you can't stop bad things from happening to you. Um, a lot of those things are completely out of your control. So when things are okay, you just, you know, I think it's, a, you know, being an arty or creative person, it does make you really creative because mm. you just think, I'm, I'm going to celebrate everything that's good. Whenever it's good, I'm going to celebrate it. Mm. And when it's bad, I'm going to sit there and just, you know, you you know that you're you're sensing bad things but it there might be a, a good thing coming so it's almost like yeah. that that's part of the energy of life you know you're just kind of it like is, yeah. bump 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 along right yeah and that you you kind of you have to engage with whatever comes you know and uh yeah mm, that's beautiful yeah. i'm like ah i <laughs> i am i wanted to ask about the book um yeah yes. tell us about your book this i this well, is, i yes. need to have when i hear about it <laughs> the lost the lost women or the new one i just oh my we're God. Oh, yes. everything. we want we want Sorry, both okay can we say that again can, can you say that again helen sorry well i've just written i've just finished another book actually so um ah. it's not a, the, the lost women of rock music was um i mean i when i was 30 i uh, i was unemployed out of bands didn't know what i was doing i had um i was pregnant and I, uh, I thought, I don't know what's going to happen in my life. And so I, I enrolled on a, on a postgraduate degree and studied, it was a performing, performing arts degree, performance arts degree. So it's studying. And I, first time I'd ever 
read an academic book because I went to art college, not a university. <laughs> Didn't understand a yeah. word I was reading, but I thought there were lots of books about sub <laughs> subcultures in the library. And I thought, oh, I'll go, I'll read those and I'll see what people wrote about the women punks. And nobody's written anything about us at all. There's absolutely nothing. It was almost like we didn't exist. Yeah. I thought, I can't, I can't believe that nobody noticed right. this, you know. Right. And I, for 10 years, I tried to get to do a PhD. I applied to places. They said, oh, yeah, you can do it, but it's going to cost you this amount of money or we'll waive the fees. But by then I had two kids and had to make a living. Eventually ended up... Um, working at, at, as a lecturer at the University of Westminster because they needed somebody who'd been in a band and they needed a woman so they wow. got me and I still never had you know and I, one of the first things I said was can, can I do a, a PhD here and they said yes and uh, my supervisor was a, a guy who'd written a book called One Called Wonders which is one of his Dave Lang and he's like one of the he's he was such a musical guy I mean such a good and he actually, unfortunately, he died last year, but he was just a great mentor to have because he basically had to teach me to write academic writing. And I went and interviewed, it was lovely, <laughs> interviewed lots and lots of women about their experiences, how they got into bands and everything, um, and basically put that together and made the book The Lost Women of Rock Music, which um, I made into a film with Gina Birch in 2016. I read about that, yes. Stories from the yeah. And again, we, we had a great time interviewing other women about their work. It's just fantastic, you know. And um, Is there a name, a, a name for the film we can... Yeah, Stories from the She-Punks. Yeah, it's not on okay. general release. It's uh, because we couldn't get clearance for the music we use. So it's just, yeah. we've done, it's been screened in LA. I think it's going to be screened in Australia. So what we do is we try and persuade people to put on events and then we can give it to them and say, look, put it on at your event. And... Um, that's brilliant. Yeah, so that was, that was uh, it went on tour of the UK um, last year. And then since then, I've been, um, I've written, well, it's taken me 10 years. Um, very similar kind of thing where, um, although it's to Tina Weymouth as well, but it's mostly UK producers, lots of different genres of music, you know, um, grime music, um, uh R&B, pop music, writing music, uh, you know, producing music for adverts, dance music. Um, wow. And yeah, made it into a book talking about how um, how they've kind of survived and the things, the setbacks they've had and, and that kind of thing. So um, I'm hoping that's going to come out sometime in the next year. Well, Helen, I'm, oops, I'm going to offer you, oh, what is thunder. that? That's a thunder? thunder. Oh my God, yeah. yeah it's, it's, it's coming down. It's crazy. Helen, I, I will offer to you at some point, if you want to do like an online book reading event, I actually um, have a couple books that I wrote about music as well. Maybe we could do something. Oh, wow. um, but yeah. I do know that like those events, it's like the way to go because you, you know, you have a little music or you have little, you know, and you have everybody focused on this as a special thing. Yeah. Because trying yeah. to do the whole mass market thing when you're, you know, it's just it's too much, you know, it's yeah. like you have to have that little focus, but that's so cool that you yeah. guys doing that. So you did that obviously last year before the pandemic. Um, yes. And yeah. how was the tour? Like, it must've been really cool to like meet people that you were interviewing and did you have bands play or anything like that? Yeah. Some places we did. Um, 
sometimes we had bands sometimes i mean we we, we divided up the um the, the q a things so we you know but so i went to quite a lot of them in the end um sometimes gina played sometimes i played we sometimes we both played um they were really very um they were very interesting events you know lots of uh lots of interesting stuff came up at some event in um in glasgow we had two uh women from a a, a band a female band in glasgow um who, much younger women and that was very interesting you what's know, the name days. what's the name i can't remember oh, i was gonna say like give them a shout <laughs> so, out <laughs> yes i should i should i should do shouldn't i yeah i, I wasn't ready for that was i oh that's okay <laughs> <laughs> But um, yeah, we had a lot, you know, at the one that we did in London, uh, we did two in London, we did one of the work in progress at the British Library as part of the celebrations of 40 years of punk and that one sold out and that was an amazing event. Wow. Because awesome. we had no idea that we'd made such a good film. Well, it sounds, I mean, we went to see the head of um, the popular music curator at the British Library uh, before we'd even made the film and asked him if we could show it at the British Library. <laughs> and he said, oh yeah, I'll book you in. So he booked us in and we didn't even have a film. Ah. <laughs> we better go and make the film. But he did say, oh, I don't mind if it's even 10 minutes or something like that. So, mm. But by the time we showed it, we had 35 minutes and it was a real kind of collage. But it was really well attended. All sorts of people came. And me and Gina were sitting in the front row. And <laughs> the first thing we didn't realise, we didn't realise that the stories were funny because we'd been so busy editing it and panicking and, oh, you know, put this together, cut this out, put this in, get this right. And we sort of sat there and there was just this wave of warmth from the audience. Mm. You could feel it. And it was just such mm. a nice feeling. And at that event, my daughter made a, a blackmail writing a lyric sheet for Oh Bondage Up Yours. <gasps> yes! uh, got, um, so we had uh, a woman called Terry from um, Feral Five playing bass, Gina and me on guitar, uh, Zoe Street Howe, who wrote the book on the slits. Well, she's a drummer. Oh, and cool. I said, on the nights, I said to her, um, look, uh, if I if I brought some sticks, will you will you play Oh Bondage? She just said yes straight away. So she played on a box awesome. and, and a friend of mine called Karina who plays sax and she plays sax. And so we, we sort of did this version with, with Tessa Pollock from The Slits and um, Jane from The Modettes singing. Wow. And, um, wow. and all the audience. <laughs> and it was just a, a really, really, it was a fantastic night actually. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. Did you it's know? one of those... Oh, I was sorry? Getting, sorry, I didn't mean to uh, go, go ahead. Finish your thought. Well, it was a bit like the sort of punk thing where you sort of do something almost by accident and it just ends up being, a, you know, really great thing. <laughs> that is, is that's that, amazing. Is there video? Is there video available? Um, well, there's a short of the film up on YouTube. If you search for short stories from the she punks and actually if you one of my daughters filmed the old bondage, it's very lousy sound but it's up there so if you search okay. bondage up yours and i think it's it might be british library you have to do and you can just sort of see the auditorium with us all yeah standing in the okay. line and chatting. <laughs> yeah okay that oh. is so brilliant and, and i did you ever meet polly styrene back in the day oh, yeah. yeah i um i met her i met her a couple of times i met her uh, not back in the day no although i did see see them play at um 
the Victoria Park, the Rock Against Racism gig. But you know, I met her at an art exhibition organised by um, Gay Gay Black from the Adverts, cool. and um, I had a chat with her then. And I also, I mean, I, I got to interview her for the second version of the book. Um, by then, she was quite ill, yeah. and I kind of the tape is really messed up because I recorded it on two different things where there's a lot of interference, but um, she was very, very, very interesting. Mm. And um, Zoe did uh, did a book on her, which I did an interview for that book as well, um, uh, which is a really interesting book. It's a um, lots of interviews with her daughter oh. and her daughter is now, has been going around with Zoe sort of doing readings and, it's a very the, the reading events are actually very moving because That's, her daughter's wow. got um, mem daughter's memories of a mum who was really kind of plagued by um, plagued by her own demons, but also by people not really. Punk was quite brutal, mm. and Polly was a very sensitive person. Mm -hmm. Massive. I mean, she X-ray Specs were yeah. absolutely my favourite band. It was those yeah. lyrics, you know, just. Everything yeah, I to do it. with being a young person at that time, a young woman at that time, was it was sung by her. And seeing her on TV, because she wasn't um, a glammed up woman, she had braces on her teeth and she looks like my friends. Yes. <laughs> like me, you know, and to right. see somebody who looks like you um, in the band, it's just such an inspiration, you know, really big yeah. inspiration. Mm. And um, I still feel like when I hear her stuff, I, how did she was so young? How did she do this? You know, I feel the same way. Yeah. I have no idea, but it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. She had a lot. Absolutely amazing. Yeah. I mean, as, because I really like songwriting and, you know, the raincoats were great and the slits were great in terms of their energy and their, what they did and their significance and everything. But for songs, X-ray specs, and, and it was her yes. who wrote, wrote them. You see that Absolutely. documentary and she's singing them and they're all copying, you know, what she's doing. Yeah. And, and it's just concise and she had yeah. a lot to say and they yeah. were, yeah, so good. Mm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, um, I don't want to take up too much more of your time since we've had you for most an hour. Um, and I want you to play your song. Uh, should I play one that you can buy? <laughs> I, oh, you're like, oh, uh, okay. You play whatever you, <laughs> whatever want. you want. Okay. <laughs> I will play one that you can buy. Um, this is a song. It's off an album that I did called Green, which um, I released last year. And uh, it's on Bandcamp. And, uh, okay, good. So it's a song about uh, the space race and about Richard Branson and Elon Musk pretending that we can all go to Mars with them. When <laughs> what they really mean to do is to go to Mars and leave us all behind. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> so, <clears throat> so it's called So Long Elon. <laughs> We're building a big rocket with space for all our shoes. With Bitcoin in our pockets, there's nothing left to lose. We're training up the robots to fight the final war with obsolescent people that we don't need anymore. Now we fucked up the planet. Let's throw it in the bin Cause 
there's no future in it. So let's begin again. We'll fly the flag of fortune. Abandon everyone. Cause only perfect people should circle round the sun. One day there will be life on Mars. All trillionaires in swanky cars. On Mars there'll be no working class. It's the perfect place for psychopaths. If you're rich and famous, or you're on the news, and you're not ashamed of your reactionary views. If you see no evil, where eagles on parade, why don't you come and join us? noble cavalcade. One day there will be light on Mars. All trillionaires in swanky cars. On Mars there'll be no It's the perfect place for psychopaths, a psychedelic orange mass, a planet swathed in laughing gas. Yes, we'll have one, the human race. Is that a smile upon your face, Pom Pom? <laughs> Yay! Oh my God! <laughs> Beautiful. That was gorgeous. Yeah, your your guitar playing and your voice. Wow. Beautiful. I gotta say too that the sound of the internet really, I think, added something to the, the whole vibe, the whole like spacey vibe. Yes, <laughs> yeah. that's technology, isn't it? Yes, yes. Oh, well, <laughs> that's a really great thing to hear, actually. Yes, <laughs> Helen, it was really, really lovely having you on here, and I'm gonna thank, give a shout out to my friend uh, Everett or Jerry, however you want to call him, for introducing oh, yeah. us. Um, yeah. and, uh, we wish you the best of luck, self, safe, happiness and safety in this pandemic. Hell, good health. Stay safe. And, yeah, um, stay safe, yeah. please do keep us surprised of your gigs online. Cause we'd love to give a shout out about it and, um, we'd like to come. <laughs> oh yes well you know likewise let me know if you do anything so that i can i can come too that because would it's be great lovely, to sort of, right you know, yeah. yeah 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 that's great that, to meet you yes great yeah to great to meet you. meet you too thank you very much all right well you have a lovely evening <laughs> and yeah. um we'll stay in touch okay great okay bye right, bye bye
Thanks for listening to the Red Jumpsuit Podcast. If you want to be on our show, please send us an email at redjumpsuitpodcast at gmail.com. We are at www.redjumpsuitpodcast.com. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>